Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a podcast from Bright City Church. For more information, visit our website, www.brightcitychurchuk.com or find us on social media at Bright City Church UK. Good evening, everyone, and uh, lovely to have you with us uh, here on Bright City Church Word Up. And uh, hi, Ben. Uh, Great to have you with us. It's great to be together again doing this. And hello, everyone who said hello as well. Thank you. Hi, Jay. Hi, Dee. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Carolyn. Uh, Hi, Joy. Uh, It's great to have you saying hello there. And, um, you know, we've been saying we do want it to be interactive in some way as we going through this um, amazing book the book of revelation so well here we go we've um, we've got through to chapter the beginning of chapter two and uh, we're going to get into it the letters to the churches we've often reminded ourselves of that amazing promise of a blessing to uh, hey Simeon great to have you here mate that promise of a blessing to all those who hear the um, this revelation, hear, what, what, what's the word? Hear the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who take to heart what's written in it. And blessed are those who, who, who read it out as well. Read so, it, yes, so Ben it, yeah. and I are going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. Now we say that, but I want to add to that. There's a warning given at the end of this letter. Ben, you'll, you'll have know this. You'll have come across it. It's in. It's right at the end, 22 verse 18. And it's a sober. And I mean, we're coming to some sober stuff anyway in this chapter. You know, some sober warnings uh, for the church, for you and I. It says, I warn everyone, chapter 22, verse 18, who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will also add to him the plagues of this book. Goodness me. And if anyone takes away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. Goodness me, that's uh, pretty serious stuff, isn't it? We won't sort of go into commentating on it too much because uh, we'll digress. But uh, yeah, let's think about that. You know, this is serious stuff. God is real. God is, um, you know, he's our He's our father. He's our loving father. He's our savior. He's our ever-present help. Yes, he is. But he's also, you know, our revered, holy judge of all the earth. Yeah. And, and we, we're having something, aren't we, of this picture of him in, in Revelation. Ben, you've kind of really um, expounded on it very, very well. Last time, I think we were talking about it. Amen. Yeah. Judge of all things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking of that, you know, it's destined for every person the Bible says, to die. We're all destined. We will die that once. And then we will, the Bible says, you know, face judgment. We will face the judge. You know, judgment is a part. And and, and as we come into this chapter two, it's talking about Jesus's assessment, in fact, of the lives of individual believers and of churches as a whole. So, it's interesting. We don't think really of, of these judgments so much. We think of, oh, you know, we're saved. We've got a free ticket. No problem. Bingo. <laughs> we're in. But <laughs> any yeah, comments on a, that, Ben, a, at all? There, there's a cost, isn't there, to, to discipleship? And it's, mm. I mean, we were talking in church this morning about it. You know, 
we we and we've talked about it in peter before we when you become a christian you're like a pilgrim kind of you're not in your home anymore you're just passing through this world you're we're citizens of another kingdom uh, and that requires us to live in accordance with that kingdom yeah. um and when we were talking this morning about the things of the world that if we familiar if we keep close to the things of the world and let them influence our lives and yeah. shape our behavior and yeah. all that kind of stuff you know we're taking on the culture of the world but yeah we're citizens passing through we're to live well, you know our kingdom is elsewhere you know our, yeah. uh, our ultimate kingdom is elsewhere the kingdom is within us and we're to live as king citizens of that kingdom yes, yes but we're not we're not home yet that's but it, one that's day it. right i'm going to read uh, through the first few verses of chapter two and it is that first letter to the church in ephesus so chapter two verse one to the angel of the church in ephesus write these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Okay, that's the, uh, the first letter to the church in Ephesus. Well, it, it, again, you know, it says there to the angel of the church in Ephesus. I, I know we were touching, weren't we, last at the end of last week about to the angel. Who is this angel? Why would John getting something from an angel? Why would he be writing to an angel of uh, a church? We might, and you, you were sharing with me, Ben, how, you know, many of the commentators uh, believe that this this word can also mean messenger and could be a messenger to the churches or could even be to pastors and leaders of churches yeah mm, yeah the word and angelos, angelos angelos is yeah. uh it's used for angel because it, it sounds like angel angelos angelos an, angel yeah. um but yeah that, there was speculation that you know overseeing a church isn't the job of an angel it's the job of a, a servant a leader a pastor so you know in some sense i guess at the end of the day the message gets to the church uh, and whether they're talking about one pastors, deacons, elders, yeah, yeah, one way or the other gets there. But it, it was just a point of, of, of speculation yeah. as to what yeah. the yeah. angels of the church is meant. Um, yeah, there was a bit of difference yes, of opinion. I think it's a very kind of popular interpretation um, from what I heard as well. It, yeah. Interestingly, you know, immediately before, so a couple of verses before, it says, um, the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand, says Jesus, 
and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And uh, yeah, I mean, in a commentator I was uh, studying, he was saying that, you know, there's no mention of this, this Angelos kind of role related to churches. He, he was sort of saying, look, we know we can't get to grips with it. It's weird. It, in his opinion, and I, I was sort of fairly convinced by it, you know, it is an angel. But yeah, we, we don't want to get too uh, bogged down with that one. So anyway, he says, and these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. There we go. And walks among the seven golden lampstands. You've got this description of the words again. It's um, and, and the commentator I was I was studying right through the letters. There never an, an mm. actual mention of these are the words of Yeshua or Jesus. But there's always this kind of almost mystical part description of someone that we, we know is Jesus as we look through all of the part descriptions. What have you got any thoughts on, on these? I mean, it's John describing. As you say, you know, if we get to the letter of the church in Smyrna, it's saying, well, these are the words of the ones who stands among the, uh, the lampstands and has got seven stars in his hand. And then the Smyrna church says, these are the words of the first and last who died and came to life and so on. Yes, the, the, the words next of him. one, Pergamum, it's, mm. these are the words of him who has the double-edged sword. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it goes it, on. It's, it's almost like saying, well, th this is who it's from. The one yeah. in the vision, the one I've seen, you yes. know, every time you're saying, well, this is from him. This is from him. You know, it's, uh, it, I guess it's just um, like the apostles, they kind of uh, identify themselves, don't they? Uh, and say Paul the Apostle, and then they go to Jesus Christ, sort of thing, or commission. Yeah, by. yeah, it is yeah. Jesus. Yeah, and interestingly, it's John who's writing this revelation down. And if you look at the beginning of his own gospel, John one one, he says, you know, him who was from the beginning. Uh, I'll have to look it up here. I should know it by heart, <laughs> really. Um, yeah, let's let's have a quick look. But but it's almost like you know, he's not just saying, oh, it's Jesus. He's sort of yeah. got this, in the beginning was yeah. the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, he was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made, in him was life, you know, it's this amazing description of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes harking back, I mean, if we get to the Smyrna letter, they, you know, the way he said in that one, he says, oh, I'm the one who's overcome death, uh, and that seems to be pertinent to people who are under certain persecution almost saying i've been through death and I come out the other side and you're going through persecution but you will come out the other side great okay well just talking about this letter as well now this letter he's giving a, an assessment or a judgment it's like a report isn't it there's going to be seven sort of reports on the really the the activity and the conduct of the churches and and so these letters are relating to specific churches that were around then we've said this before but very much they they can speak to us today as individual believers and also as churches because we can say well you know he's saying look this is good this is not good and we can apply it to our lives well is this good thing am, am i practicing that is is our church reflecting that today because you know it's the same today or this bad thing that he he's he's highlighting um you know how does that measure up with my life or the ch 
our the life of our church today. So it's kind of like a report card. So he's saying, yeah. right. And do he, you want to comment on that, Ben? I was going to say, and he, he starts, you know, he starts with the good, the good things, doesn't he? He starts with the the, the pluses of, yes, uh, of yeah. who they are. Like I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those of, of evil, and how you test people who say they're apostles. I know you, you know, all all of that good the good qualities yeah. of the church you know that that examination uh of of them i was struck by he says i i know your works and i, yes, I tend to kind yes. of focus on well what does it mean to say god knows you knows your works yeah uh, and i i kind of hark back to psalm 139 go oh, my yes. go-to psalm yeah. where he says oh lord you have searched me and know me and I'm like, what does it mean to be searched by God? Like the Ephesian church is being searched by God and, and known and, and, you know, discerned by God. Uh, and I, you know, I go back to the, the Hebrew words and the Greek words. And in, in Psalm 139, when um, it says, oh, Lord, you have searched me. Yeah. You, you have searched me. That, what, that term, that, that word that's used there is actually, and this is where we can kind of get a deeper meaning on words. It means to penetrate, to look under the surface and to find out what's there, to be examined thoroughly. Right. And, and Job, Job takes it further. He uses that same word to yeah. talk about mining. Uh, Job 28.3 says, man searches out the ore in gloom and deep darkness. Talking about mining for iron ore or whatever, yeah. deep yeah. in the earth. And again, that's, a, that's that word, you know, under the surface to see what's really there. And it's like God is saying to the Ephesian church, I am examining you. I am looking to see what's in your heart and to see what's really there. When it says, you know me in Psalm 139, it's to perceive and acquire knowledge about someone. Chronicles says, the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. So it's, it's you know, when, he, when God says something like, I know your works, he knows your works, whatever you face that you're wearing or whatever you, you know, you try and portray that's um, yeah. putting a face. You can't wear a mask in front of God, basically. Yes. There's yes, no, absolutely. you know, yes, Psalm 139, there's no getting around it. You know, God looks God deep. Sees. He looks deep. Mate, he finds the knowledge of what's really in your heart. He knows yes. what's really in there. Yeah. Uh, and this is what he's doing. I, I, I know your works. And then he says, well, I know your works and your, your toil, your patience. You really examine those who come to you and, and mm. are claiming to be apostles. You know, I'm, I'm looking and I see that and I can see your diligence. And it starts with the good. Yes, you know, good. What, he's starting with the good. Saying. Interestingly, I, I know your works and the works are you know, very important, it seems, to Jesus. I, I, I'm lo looking and loving your works, your good works. They're very important. And yet we say, don't we? I say we. That there's a thing, you know, going around the, the Western church in certain places. Oh, it's nothing to do with works anymore. You know, it's, it's just grace. It's just grace. Look, I'm saved only purely by grace. And I'm not mocking this, by the way. And of course, there's truth in it. But somehow there's there's it comes in a lie where we say works are not important. Works are not. And yet we know from the scriptures that it's our works that actually kind of demonstrate our true faith. It's our works that display the true work that's deep within. And, and if there is a real kind of faith, it, it's showing the the true 
um, the true depth of our faith will manifest in works. That's it. Although we are justified by faith, thanks, Sai, uh, we will be judged by our works. That that's uh, that's a great way of putting it, and it's so true. So don't let anyone deceive you that your works don't count. I'm I'm sorry, but we'll see all the way through this letter. In fact, these letters that hey, God is looking. He says you have been saved for good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do these things. If you get saved and then you just turn your back on on the responsibilities and the beautiful gifts and things you've been given and the work you've been given you know that is despising god really uh so yeah i was saying that's the historical disagreement that people always say about james and paul saying you know james is like talks about your works and paul mm. talks about you know, saved by grace but actually if you're saved by faith then good works will come out of your life there's no disagreement there if yes. you're saved person one of the evidences of you being saved is your good work as That's well as right. your love yes, for each yes, other yes. as we'll see yes james but, says i'll show you my faith by what i do and uh, that's so true um yeah so it's got your, your hard work there purpose and then it says i know you do not tolerate wicked men or tolerating wickedness that's we can see there's something very important there isn't there about yeah. hey you, you know, those who don't tolerate wickedness in general, don't tolerate wicked men, don't tolerate. And, and, and we, we, we actually were hearing this morning about, you know, the danger of tolerating wickedness and, and that, that Lot had. Yeah. yeah I mean, as I, as I read that phrase about not tolerating wickedness, I, I, I was reminded of the Bible says the fear of the Lord is to flee from wickedness. Uh, you know, so when you're running away and, and you're you're refusing, you're turning from what you know is wicked. That, again, is the, the real sign and the fruit that you have a real reverence and fear for the Lord. So. So, yeah, they don't tolerate wickedness. You have tested, tested those who claim. What do you make of this tested? How how would they test, do you think? They're claiming these people are claiming to be apostles. It's like a, a discernment. It says in the. Well, I've noted these down here. I've got the scripture reference here, but it's got, oh no, it's 1 John 4. John speaking again. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to yeah. see where they are, whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out of the world, and by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That's like the test. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So the test is that every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So there's one test, you know, from, from John himself in his letters. But I mean, the one that kind of absolutely unloads on false apostles is Paul. He does that in 2 Corinthians 11. And I mean, it's worth, it's worth looking at. False apostles, I mean, he absolutely goes to town on them. And he, when he's talking about think the, the false apostles accusing him of of being false. And he, I mean, he just, well, let me just find where I was looking at. Yeah, I undermine the claims of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as, selves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. He, he really unloads on those that would yeah. claim 
to be, you know, false apostles and uh, even turn around and accuse Paul of being a false apostle. These are the tests, you know, do they confess Jesus? You know, that kind of examination. That's for us today, you know, we get all sorts of people come and speak in churches these days. I've been a Christian uh, a, a long time, so have you, Ian. It's, it, people come and people go. And it's, I guess, by their fruits, you, sometimes you see where they were coming from or even by their behaviour. The marks of a true apostle. I think, you know, when when Paul's going through it, he's talking about his, um, as well, the, the, the humility, the working hard, you know, and not looking for, he talked about how he worked and, and look, demanded nothing from the people in terms of money and, um, you know, how he persevered with them for, for a longevity as well and humility and, and these things. And long, longevity as well, you know, the Ephesian church is about 40 years at this point since its establishment. So there will be people, as there are at Bright City when it was Ashford Christian Fellowship, there will be people there who were there at the beginning in the founding of the church. And they would have, like we just said, they would have seen them come and seen them go yeah. uh, over the span of time. There's a discernment that comes with spiritual maturity. Yes, and that's yeah. for all of us, you know, the more you, you walk in Christ, the more you commune with the Holy Spirit and the more you learn about God, it's almost like you can spot counterfeits if you like or yeah, spot immaturity that. you know not everyone's bad sometimes they're just wrong or sometimes they're just immature but course, you know yeah. that's that's the kind of the, the test of things really isn't it yes um, and, and i think the the main test for everything you know or the first test the plumb line we call it is the word of god and it, it's so important today when the word of God is not really held in such an important place in many churches around the world. And yet it's only through, by the word of God that we have the, tr the measure of what is true and what is false. The, the, the ability to discern false doctrine against true doctrine. Something can be very close to the truth, but if it's out on certain things, can, can lead people so far off. And yet the litmus test for the truth and for, for doctrine, for prophecies, for all these things, is the word of God. And so, you know, we must, and, and, and these, these people, to test it, they must have had the word of God. And the word of God for them at that time would have been the Old Testament. The church was very yeah. new. The New Testament, yes, some of the letters would have been going around. And um, but, uh, you know, they, they would have had the scriptures and they would have been checking out. Interestingly, I, yeah. I want to pick up on this um, fossil uh, fossils, apostles uh, claim to be apostles. Now, if we think of the fivefold gifts of leadership to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. There's a big section of the church that says that, you know, apostles were the 12, the first 12 apostles, and, and apostles were finished when they finished, and uh, it's not a modern day office. But I'd like to say that here is a scripture that clearly says that, no, apostles continued. Apostles were part traveling, you know, leaders going to churches. And there was a way these people were able to identify that these folks who claimed to be apostles were false apostles. They weren't the true thing. Now, that didn't mean that they're, they, were, they were found out, they were masquerading as Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who are, and Paul and, and the disciples and saying, look, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the disciple Barnabas and 
and they pulled off his false beard. No, nah, no, that's not Barnabas. We found you out. You know, no, it was it was the fact of the character, the nature. So the office of apostle was very much real and active, but they were uh, those who were kind of more out for personal gain and whatever. So I'm just saying that here's a scripture that I would say suggests very clearly that the office of apostle continued well after the um, the 12, if you like, and Paul, that's 13 anyway, um, had, had passed on. What's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, no, that, that, that whole thing is interesting because uh, we had a... Uh, a, bit, a bit of a debate a few years ago about this because you, you do get people in, in Christendom that entitle themselves apostle and you know what does that mean uh, and they, like you say there's those that would say well no apostle was the title given to the 12 and that was it and then you know there's Paul the apostle who wasn't part of the 12 but he did see the risen Jesus when he uh, met him at Damascus um, so qualified in that sense and then you get you get into things like the word apostle you know what does it mean it means sent one the character of it is someone who's enforcing the culture of their kingdom in in another place and isn't, isn't that what we are as christians we we are to live and enforce the culture of the kingdom yeah, of heaven yeah. yes um, that's right and yes, yeah. you know that's that's yeah. what it, it comes down to words sometimes you're like well what do you mean when you say apostle sent one uh, yes d yeah, a sent one, and it's yeah. you know it's kind of like there are people that who who weren't part of the twelve disciples, but in their in their ministry they are apostle like. If you kind of look at what's an apostle, someone's enforced the kingdom on a national level, if you like, or international level, and there are certainly people about these days that who who lead movements of churches that have international reach, you know, regional reach, and you're like, well, that's you know they're apostle-like in their ministry and i i would say yeah, that I'm, i mean you've you've got you know you've got believers unknown to us who are going mm. around and planting hundreds of churches in india africa other continents that are, are then helping those churches these are you know real apostles they're not looking for money and fame and all the rest of it. that would suggest to us hey watch out this this could be a false apostle who's going out for all the um adulation and whatever and and as as simon puts there thanks i yeah romans 16 7 suggests andronicus and junius were mm. apostles there's other suggestions where it says you know it refers to so and so and the other apostles and, and these yeah. were non 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 12 people so it's clear yeah. throughout the scripture there, yeah. there are plenty more no. yeah and paul yeah. says he refers to himself and others who are with him as apostles it's uh, i'm a believer of course that the office continues and is part of god's design for the church now what yeah. how they practice and what they look like you know that that's something else but in fact i did my master's dissertation on modern day apostles but there you go throw that yeah. in there <laughs> right so you have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So here's another commendation, perseverance, hardships and and not getting weary, discouraged and giving up, but continuing through hardships and perseverance. Yeah. And we'll come to, you know, what, what sort of hardships way they have been. We don't really know. It doesn't say here, but it could have been some sort of persecution it could be um 
What do you think, Ben? <laughs> the hardships? <laughs> well, again, it's just the hardships of, I mean, the church, the early church, before the development of kind of theology, if you like, they, they, they were just fighting for survival against persecution, you know, just to establish and just to meet as believers and enjoy communion and baptism and all that kind of fundamental stuff. The struggle for them was, was very real. I mean, it, it, we're fortunate in our country that we're not at pain of, of, of death and jail and all that kind of stuff, but certainly around the world, you know, there are hardships that, that Christians endure that are way beyond our experience. Mm. But yet, yet they they stand firm. Yet yeah. they stand firm, yeah. and and yes. they establish the church. And yeah. it's a precious thing to the Lord that uh, the struggle and the hardships, and they've stood. They've stood. And I think of our own church, Sidney Doyle, who founded Ashford Christian Fellowship, now yes. Bright City. Yeah. You know, they started the church in, in Stanhope. If Sid was attacked and punched, he's his jaw, uh, jaw yeah and um you know they were set upon by people just walking around the estate instead of in the 70s through the windows yeah, yeah absolutely and and but they stuck at it they stayed and we are the fruit of their apostolic like right. faithful ministry Amen. um in ashford in our town you know yeah. and they 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 stayed and they sent there i mean myself for instance i've I've never travelled so much to different countries on mission trips as being part of the youth group in my, you know, late teens, early twenties, as I have just from our little church in Ashford. You know, that's apostolic. That that's the Great Commission being kind of played out and established. What they did planted the seed, and it was their patience, their endurance, just to stick in there in the mundane of of life and struggle of life to establish what we have today. Yeah, and as Simon's put there, must have been difficult to be a believer in a city where there was a temple worshipping fertility. You think of all the sort of sexualization we were touching on that this morning um, in the culture. Yeah, and that takes us back. Ephesus, you know, was this town where they had the temple to Artemis and Diana. Um, you had saints that were there well known from the scriptures as well we know the letter to the church to the ephesians from paul and we know priscilla and Achilla were part of the church there apollos was very involved in the church at ephesus as well so yeah it was a main center as simon's put in there of pagan idolatry this must have brought great pressure to be a christian in yeah. that environment yeah absolutely so they got we, set up on, didn't they, by the um, the it was those who were sending little trinkets and stuff oh yes. for the temple. Was it like yeah, the uh, silver, yeah, uh, silversmiths and things? Yeah, yeah, it was they, affecting their got, trade, wasn't it? Yeah, all the Christians were throwing out, they're not buying all their, you know, wares, and uh, got set yeah. upon. So yeah, that was wow. It. You you think of the impact of the darkness there, to yeah. even in in where they were so outnumbered, if you like, and seemingly such a stronghold, and yet there they were being light in that place and making such a difference. Great. So that's the end of the kind of commendation side. And so we start off, as you said, with a commendation. Let's think about, you know, you've got your um, your hard work, your perseverance, you're not tolerating wickedness and wicked men, your testing of things, even people who claim to be, you know, leaders but are not. And so testing doctrine and you're persevering, enduring, so, so let's, and not growing weary, we're applying these things to ourselves. So important to Jesus. This is what mm. he will commend you for and commend me for. So let's make sure we're living like that. And he, now he comes to the, um, the sort of 
difficult part. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love or um, the love you had at first. You've, you've lost the love you had at first or it's been translated in some as your first love. Interestingly, the commentator I was reading, he said the thing with saying you've lost your first love we, we do have in the, the Western English um, kind of culture, this saying, oh, first love is kind of always oh, my, my first, do you remember my first boyfriend, my first girlfriend, my first love? You know, that was a certain way. And yet now uh, comparing with that, and it can kind of muddy the idea a little bit. Whereas you have lost the love that you had at the beginning uh, for, for me and for my ways. So, so yeah. you lost. Go what, what do you think, Ben? Well, I think it's quite striking that that John is known as the apostle of love, isn't he? And uh, yeah, a, a recurrent theme in in the Gospel of John, especially chapters fourteen to seventeen, and and one John and two John is the great commandment: love God and love your brothers. Brilliant. That that's again and again and yes. again. I've yes, yes. you know, listed the scriptures. There'd be a whole list. It says in John's Gospel, Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And then he says in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one, one another. When he's talking about first love, you lost your first love. The first love of the church, from, from John's own words, were the great commandment. It would suggest that they have, you know, their love for God maybe has waned a bit or their love for others has waned a bit. And yeah, yeah. he's saying, look, this is, this is the, the, the love that I've told you to express. And yes, it, it's you've lost your first love. Yes. So, you know, whether yeah. their their focus was now on surviving as a church to the cost of that or maybe yes. their success mm. as a church uh, have been at a cost of doing that. Who Who knows? But it's evident that the way they were is not the way they are now and, and God's pulling them up on it. That's it, yeah. I mean, if we want to look at what love looks like, we might think of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the, the characteristics of true love and uh, love covers all, love holds no record of wrongs, love is generous, gentle, loving to one another, these sorts of things. And there's maybe there's something they've grown, you know, a bit hard, a bit tough, towards one another and and do we do that as a church it's one of those things to keep prominent of all the activities that we do mm, yes. uh, and all the stuff we're involved in do we still welcome the needy do we still make time to to love god and you know and that's expressed in worship and communion those seem to be the, the key things you know the key yeah. things love god and love others yes. you know and as a church do, do we are we doing that you know yes. are we doing that yeah. or are we so busy with the other activities on, on, on this, all the law and the prophets sit, doesn't it? Everything sits on that. So absolutely, mm. it's the, the very foundation. If you lose that love, you've lost the whole reason and meaning for all of it, in a sense, he's saying. So remember the height from which you have fallen. What, what do you make of that, Ben? Well, I think it gives the gravity of, of, of yeah. whereas you might think, oh, the great commandment, yeah, that's a good moral principle to live by. It, it, from what you're saying, look how far you've fallen away from that, and it's like, yes, oh, I didn't know that was that important. You know, that is the pinnacle, and he's like, 
look how far you've fallen from the great commandment that Jesus gave you to do. You know, you, you're forgetting what brought you here. It's almost like a celebrity, you know, they or a, a musician who's become really successful. They did it at the start for the love of music. But as they're elevated in their fame, yeah. that becomes secondary and they're, they're taken away by all the other activities and the riches and all that kind of stuff. It's like they almost could be as a victim of, of success. And we can do that to our, our yes. cost with theology yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And yes. I think what he's saying is look at how far you've fallen away from the fundamentals and don't isn't that the danger these days for all churches? The fundamentals of the faith to love God and love, love others, to do the Great Commission, to communion and baptism, you know, the fundamental things and love, love, you know, and it's, it's the gravity, it brings gravity to me. Consider how far you have fallen away from this. And yeah, as Simon said there, how challenging is this after such a commendation from Jesus could bring you know, such a, a, a very fundamental and, and, and big criticism and failing, if you like. So you can think you're, you're doing all right, and yet there are some real deep things. We've got to be so careful that we're not self-deceived. And, and this is why it's so important to be close to God, close to the word. And, and, and the word's like a mirror to us, and we can actually weigh mm. up, can't we? And also to one another, iron sharpening iron. Doing what we're doing right now is kind of shining a light and a mirror on, on ourselves, on our lives, on our church. And so, yeah, great, Simon. Thanks. Now it says, repent and do the things you did at first. Look, there's a, a great importance in, in doing and putting right what is not there. You know, doing what you're not doing. Again, can we see the importance of our actual practice and behavior and if you like our works is what we're talking about here so there's a repent there's a turning and a changing in of a heart saying oh my goodness yes lord i'm sorry i see where i'm lacking and and i hear you i'm now i'm going to change a repenting is a changing and a turning i will do things differently so he says repent and do these things and if you do not I'm going to come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What is what is that? Moving your removing the lampstand from its place. What do you think that could mean, um, Ben? I think basically ending the church and, and take his, the lampstands. Obviously, the, the, as he said, you know they, they represent the church. I'm going to take that lampstand away. The church will be finished. And you know, unfortunately, the Ephesian church. It, it, it's right. It's interesting because it was a port kind of church right near a port and right near the mouth of a, a, the Caister River over the centuries since then till now it's almost like um Lim Castle Port Lim Castle wherever anyone out there's ever been there if you look out over the balcony of Lim Castle there's a huge flat area of ground and then the sea is like a mile, mile or two away back in medieval times that whole that, that the sea came right up to the, the mm. castle um, and over time, you know, the silt has built up. And the same thing happened to the Ephesian church. The church was moved and a, a kind of a, abandoned away from where it was. And, you know, there's only ruins today, um, which is, is, is sad. Um, I was thinking back to when I first came to ACF, Pastor Sid was doing uh, a series on the, the what we're looking at, the churches of Revelation. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, he, I think he went over to see some of them, actually. And the Ephesian church is it's obviously just in in 
ancient ruins today and abandoned because it was taken away from the port. Yeah. But it just goes to show that over time, you know, it's even even for, I guess, looking at the bigger picture, you know, we might be in churches these days in our, uh, in our time, you know, when we've had all these amazing movements of God. Um, I think of the revivals that have happened over the years, you know, the Brownsville revival, Toronto, that kind of stuff, and all, that, all those amazing things. And us as a church thrived and done amazing things and all this season, you know. But in the grand span of time, we have to look at the perspective of now. We're here now. We're doing what we do now. But, you know, there might be a time when in 100 years when there isn't a bright city, you know, we had our season, we had our span of time and we did what we did. And it's it was for then and it's yeah. fallen, fallen away. And it seems that with the Ephesians, you know, that they were an amazing church and God is here is, is pulling them up, if you like, and giving them some instruction. And that was for them. That's where they are. But, you know, that church doesn't exist anymore in Ephesus. Sure. You know, that was for that ancient time right. and you know I, I can go i could go on with jonah for instance uh mm. jonah went and warned nineveh and they repented at the time but years down the line when you get to another book in the old testament nineveh doesn't repent anymore and it's wiped out how are you responding to the word that god is giving you now yes, you know absolutely that's it. Yeah. and i think you know it's so important what you just said there and re relating as well to what uh, simon's just commented on that this is the word of God and the truth and we're getting a true picture of Jesus. Jesus, not the little baby in the manger sort of thing, you know, forever and ever. You know. No, Jesus is the, the judge. That's when he was in Dublin, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the eyes of fire. Forgive me if that was naughty, but, um, you know, um, Jesus, he, he is the judge. He is the Lord, he is the truth and, and you know, we he is holy and he, he's demanding something of his, his people and, and we can't get away from it here. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the comments. Yes, Dee, absolutely. I will take away your lampstand, removing the glory of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God. Maybe that those, those people would no longer be the light of the world but would just be a gathering of, of, of villagers or whatever. They're no longer the lampstand, the shining, glorious ones being used by God. It could be that. It could be, as Ben was saying, about, you know, just a real proper physical removing. But, mm. dear friends, we've come to the end. Yes, thank you, Simeon. You're so right. You know, in the busyness of our lives, we can we can just miss the whole reason why God has revealed himself to us, saved us, and, mm. and the, the loving him first, the putting first things first. So true. Darren's just said that's why we need to be shaken and constantly reminded of who is on the throne. That's that's right, Sharon. That's, that, that's why daily devotions, which, you know, are not always easy to keep, are so important to, to start your day right or to constantly remind yourself of the Lord, and they, you know, we yes, could go on and say how how we do that in our lives, yeah. how Pastor Ian does that, how I do that, especially in the midst of a busy yeah. hospital ward. Mm. But you know, it's right. You Things like the communion as that, well, taking communion yeah, brings us right back to the fundamentals of who Jesus is, what He's done for us, who we are in Him. It, we're, we're humbled knowing this salvation yeah. uh, that that has been won for us, etc. Anyway, we better not. We could go on throne room worship. Yes, yes. Thanks so much for um, all your comments and uh, 
I, I love the fact we're getting a bit more interactive. I think it makes for a, a more enjoyable program. God bless you. Hey, Ben, thanks a lot again. Hope you're here next week, Ben. I know you might have to go to work, yeah. but uh, <laughs> thanks, everyone. Have a great uh, week. God Thank bless. you.